Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. Before we go to the seven churches of Revelation, we've been highlighting uh, uh, churches that we have relationship with. In fact, I meant to pray for that church. So we're going to pray again in just a second. Uh, Tonight, I'm wearing my South Point Church. That's their logo. Uh, Craig and Patty Wendell, uh, who are our overseers, they pastor South Point Church. Their church literally is on State Line Road. The front parking lot's in Mississippi, and the back parking lot is in Tennessee. And uh, uh, that's kind of like a national church. I I don't know. But anyway, uh, and so I got their old skating center. They took a giant building that had many, I don't know how many movie theaters in it, remodeled that under one giant roof and something like uh, 40 bowling lanes and a skating ring and laser tag. They took that whole building and have been remodeling it for the last number of years. And ironically, when I was a teenager, uh, I used to go to that movie theater and I used to go to that skating rink you put your right foot in, you put your, come on, any old roller skaters here? Yeah, you were busting our best moves out there, all right, which was me falling down. So anyway, uh, they have taken the old skating rink and made it into a community uh, center for the neighborhoods and, and took the skating rink park part itself and turned it into an indoor skateboard park. And uh, so, uh, interesting, the same week we were tearing our floor up because we had a flood, they had a flood, and we were literally replaced, tearing floors up the same day. They had somebody messed up on drugs, broke into their building, dis- disarmed all their security systems, including the alarms, and then set fire to something. The sprinklers went off and ran for four hours with no alarms. So they had something like 30,000 gallons of water spray in their uh, foyer, and so they were digging up. <laughs> I think my problems are bad. You just have to talk to somebody else. All God's people have problems. How many know what I mean, right? And so uh, Pastor Craig is one of my dear, dear friends. He is the guy that we have a little joke between. He's the pastor on my team that I call to vent to. So, you know, I hardly ever call him. <laughs> I call him all the time. You'll never believe what, you know, all right? So anyway, uh, him and uh, Patty, just dear friends. I'm going to be there in July with them. Uh, but can we pray for them? And then I'll get into the book of Revelation. Father, I lift up Patty and Craig and their team and all they're going through. And uh, I thank you for your blessings on their church. I pray you would give them your wisdom. I pray you would give them your peace. I pray you would surround him, his marriage, his family, as so many pastors are under attack. I pray your blessings on their church, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now you can start my preaching clock because none of that counted toward preaching, all right, everybody? Just for the record. Well, many of you already know Yusina's made some posts, but we enjoyed an incredible weekend, or a week, rather, in Phoenix, and I got to be there and bring the majority of our team with us. It's the first trip we've all made together since we came and started the church, and it's the first time I've got to really go anywhere in uh, about two years now. 
And for me, it was very exciting. I think we have some pictures we were just going to share. This is, uh, of course, Angel. She was here in January. Some of you remember that. You guys took the team down there. And uh, this is Luke, who has taken over Dream City Church. And, of course, Pastor Tommy has been there just in that place for 44 years, pastoring that great church that has had a worldwide reach and has helped people like the Brian Houstons and the T.D. Jakes and the Joyce Myers. Really, they all call him pastor, so I'm glad to be in that company also. And um, I think we had some other pictures I was just going to show you. That is, isn't that the greatest picture ever right there? My wife, she just loves me, man. And, uh, and so I got a pastor and a wife that both love me. Come on, I got it made. How many know what I'm saying, right? And uh, I don't know if we have any more, but I just wanted to share uh, some of it with you and just an opportunity again to speak in my pastor's church. That's just just one of those special, I think there's a special anointing for that time because that's the, that platform right there is the platform that has most impacted my life, perhaps more than anything else. And uh, so it was just a pleasure and it was a pleasure to be able to share it with our team and um, but let me just say this while all that is good it wasn't all good I just okay I just want so you don't feel jealous it just wasn't all good it was hot there and and people in Arizona say the craziest things well you get used to it I don't think you do I think it's a lie from hell I do I just, and I think that's why they're so spiritual there because they're constantly reminded of what hell might feel like it's just ridiculous. We came out of church like at 8.30 at night, and it was 100 degrees, and the wind was blowing. I felt like I was preaching in an oven. It was absolutely ridiculous. And in fact, uh, we were, the only thing you do is, I mean, when it's that hot, you go from air conditioner to air conditioner. And so we would go from the building, and they would pick us up, and Mark drove a lot of the times where we had drivers, but they, they would pick us up right at the door and jet out the door right into the into the car with the air conditioner already going I mean your skin could melt off your body it was 105 there the the uh, the last day we were there in fact here's something that happened I mean you you don't want to stay outside a lot you know because it's hot especially come on Pacific Northwesterners like when it's 75 we're dying around here oh Lord have mercy on me right and so 105 that's like rough stuff and and so uh, Mark was kind enough to kind of drive us and you know kind of get us where we had to go and I don't know what happened. I don't know if you were going too fast or if he was going too slow, but all of a sudden the lights lit up in back of us. I mean, no, that's a nervous feeling when the red and blue, right? And a policeman pulled us over. I'm like, Mark, what in the world? We got places to go. And, and so the cop pulls up in back of us, and, and he doesn't get out of the car. And I'm like, well, man, maybe they do it different here. Mark, maybe you got to get out of the car. I don't I mean, I'm not sure. Arizona's kind of different. And then he spoke over the loudspeaker, please get out of the vehicle. And I'm like, me too or just the driver? And Mark's like, I ain't getting out there. It's 105 out there. And the cop's like, I ain't getting out. It's 105 out there. And finally, after like a standoff, you could hear through the loudspeaker, just slow down. It's like, okay, you know, that's what we'll do. How many people really believe that happened, right? We got home just in time for Patty and I to uh, celebrate our 33rd year wedding anniversary. Come on now. And, uh, and, and, and that's bliss, but 
Uh, there's problems in that too. I just want you to know, I'm not going to get into my private business, but we don't buy gifts for each other. We don't put all that mushy stuff out on Facebook like, you are my destiny, and who would I be without you? And you know, that kind of stuff. And so we just don't post all that kind of stuff. It makes people wonder, do they really love each other? Yes, we do. All right. And, uh, and, and we don't buy, we used to buy cards for one another. We kind of quit doing that because after 33 years, what else is there left to say, right? And plus, a couple of years ago, she bought me the most incredible, best card ever. You can't top it. And, and it had these little, like stick drawing people like that's supposed to represent husband and wife and I love you you're the partner of my life we've and it just and you keep turning the pages and we take walks together and and as I'm turning the pages I'm 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 looking at these little stick figures and I'm thinking well one of them looks like a man and and the other one looks like a man also and when I got to the end of the card, I said, honey, this card is for a same-sex marriage. <laughs> Did you not notice the drawings on here? How many know there's problems everywhere, right, everybody? Huh? So we just quit buying it. It's tricky to buy cards nowadays, right? It's like my partner. Well, that could mean a whole lot of things. You know what I'm saying, right? So anyway, the reason I tell you those stories, I'm just having a little fun, but the church of Smyrna is what we're going to talk about tonight. And the church of Smyrna, they were the persecuted church. They were the church that had a lot of, they were the church that had a lot of problems. Have you ever felt like you've gone through seasons in life where there's a lot of problems? Well, we're going to see that Jesus knows that and what he prescribes to us. So let's get right back into it. Revelation chapter number 2. Here are some of the things it says. It says, To the church in Smyrna, to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last who died and came to life again. Remember, there's a rhythm. He, he explains who he is. Then there's a compliment, a complaint, and, and course correction, and that kind of thing, okay? He, uh, I know your afflictions. I love this, because he knows what you're going through. Um, and your poverty, yet you are rich. I'm going to talk about that. I know about the slander. This is such a powerful line. The slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Ouch. Can anybody say ouch with me? He's saying, I know those people that act like they're godly, but they do some things inside this thing called the church, and I put them in the synagogue of Satan. Woo, boy, it's going to get hot in here. Okay, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison. We're going to talk about that statement tonight. And you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Okay, there's a lot to unpack, so let's just dive into it. Um, they are the, just a little bit of background to give our foundation. Again, I'm not trying to be his, give all the history, but they are being persecuted because they would not bow to the Roman gods, and they would not bow particularly to Caesar. And if they didn't bow to Caesar, then he removed their ability to buy and sell. 
And, and John himself was isolated on the island of Patmos where he got this revelation and where he's writing this. And um, so he's writing this on the island of Patmos in isolation all by himself, all because John would not bow and worship Caesar and declare Caesar as Lord. Um, when you put that in that perspective, think about this. John is isolated on an island. Okay, I, I mean, just think about that already. By himself, uh, it, for punishment, and, and you can study all about the island. Um, it makes some of my problems seem a little silly, don't you think? He's isolated on an island. He don't even have a church to go to. Come on, everybody. He, he would be glad to have to wear a mask just to go to church. Can I get an Amen. Right. I mean, it makes when you study his persecution and all the disciples that have already done, it makes our problems seem very silly sometimes what we declare our problems are. Now, I'm not trying to down talk because I know we have problems and when we're in problems, they are sincere and they are real and they are intense. But I would declare we ought to make sure that we keep the intensity to the real problems and not the just the things that media says we ought to be worked up about. Amen? And Jesus introduces himself, so that's their problem. And so Jesus comes onto the scene and he introduces himself in verse number 8, and he says this, he says, I'm the first and the last. Now when you're going through persecution, that's an important thing to remember. Because basically what Jesus is saying is, look, I was there before the problem started, and I'll still be there when the problem is over. See, I don't know if anybody understands, that's an encouragement. Because how many know, some people will bail on you when the problems get too rough. How many know what I'm talking about? But Jesus said, look, don't, don't get discouraged. I was there before the problems ever began. In other words, I had a solution before the problem ever presented itself. I am alpha. I'm, I'm the beginning, and I'm also the end. When all the dust is settled and all the blood, sweat, and tears and all that is over, uh, I'll be there at the end. I won't give out on you in the middle. I'm A and Z, and I'm LMNOP. Come on, how many of you are glad? I'll be with you in the beginning. I'll be with you in the end and I'll be with you all in between I'm the first and the last I love that and then in verse number eight part b of verse number eight he says and I died and came to life how many know that's a good reminder when you're in persecution I mean come on that's a that's a big deal because my problems might be intense but I'm not dead and Jesus is saying look I'm the God who died and came to life. Let me say it another way. I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the Lord that died, conquered death, defeated death, and came back. So if I can defeat death, if I can triumph over death, I can triumph over any problem you could ever get yourself into. I died and came. In other words, how many know that's the guy that I'd say, I'm riding with him? <laughs> I'm going to ride with the guy that defeated death, hell, and the grave. How many know what I'm saying, right? And, and, and you might have a situation in your life that looks dead, that looks impossible, but he's reminding us when you're in the persecution and it looks impossible, it looks dead, it looks like there's no hope, he's reminding them that I died and rose again, and your dead situation can die and rise again. When there's no hope, he is hope in that. Come on, everybody, right? Right. Verse number 9 then goes on and says, he says this, 
He says, I know your afflictions. I'm going to define that word afflictions because some translations, the original language comes from a word tribulation. Okay? Now, I'm not going to go the direction of eschatology where we start talking about end times, although there's hints of it in here. He says, I know your afflictions. I know your tribulation. And, and watch this next word. He says, and I know your poverty. Hmm. First of all, before I unpack that, isn't it great? Verse number nine is an encouragement to me. How many of you ever gone through something in life and you felt all alone? Can I just see your hands? I have. I'll tell you this, I recently have. You can be in a room crowded with people and feel alone. Nobody understands. Nobody gets it. They tried. They loved me. But here's what he says that I love. He says, I know what you're going through. Man, sometimes that's all I need is to know that he knows, that he hasn't forgotten, that he hasn't somehow overlooked all the issues I'm dealing with. I know your persecution. I know the issues you're... I don't know about you, but that's encouraging to me. I just want somebody to know it's not all just peaches and rainbows. How many know, right? Jesus says, I know what you're dealing with. I know the load you're carrying. I know nobody else gets it, but I get you. And, And when he says he knows, check this out he doesn't know in theory he knows personally Jesus knows Hebrews says that we don't have a high priest who can't be touched with the feelings of our infirmities he's the God that stripped himself of deity and came down here and walked with us so he could be related to us and feel what we feel and be lied about and be abandoned and be doubted he knows the feelings of being sad he knows the feelings of being mad he knows the feelings of being slandered against and lied against he knows the feelings of betrayal he says I know exactly where you're at and and he uses the word tribulation the word tribulation uh it, it really in the original language it meant i know you're crushing i know that you're being crushed back in those times just to give you an example there was a torture um One of the ways they tortured people in the day in that season of time, and that's why John used this language, and and it was called tribulation, or it was called crushing. It's when they would take a human body and tie ropes to the hands and ropes to the feet and stretch the body as far as they could without severing the body. And then when you're stretched as far as you can, they put a heavy weight on your chest, and, and you could barely catch your breath. And when your body finally kind of got used to that, they'd put another weight on you. And if it finally got used to that, they'd put another weight on you until you couldn't even move a centimeter to take a breath. Ooh. That, that's, what, that's what he's saying. I know your tribulation. And some of you can relate to that because some of you, whether you're in this room or you're watching online, some of you understand and some of you are feeling it right now that you have been stretched thin and you're carrying some weight that nobody can understand. Jesus identifies some of the weights. I want to identify some of the weights that they're dealing with, and maybe you'll be able to identify with them also. Number one, he's dealing with the weights of poverty. He says, he says you're in poverty, you're poor. Um, the church of Smyrna, friends, they were broke because they were not allowed to work in the marketplace because they wouldn't bow to Caesar. So they weren't allowed to buy or sell or even work. So they were literally broke. 
And so that's the reason they had nothing at all. Um, But I love this because in that same verse later he says, but you guys are rich. You're broke. Financially you're broke. But there's something else that makes you rich. We're going to get to that in just a little bit. And and it, and it helped, what it helps me understand, he says, you're broke, but I call you rich. Here's what that helps me understand before I get into why he says they're rich. It helps me to understand that God measures wealth differently than we do. Come on, everybody. Money could not have bought what the days in Phoenix did for me this weekend. Come on, I was rich on Wednesday and rich on Tuesday and rich experiencing it with my family and my granddaughter watching a third generation go to the very pastor that's poured into my life. Come on, that is rich. I might not have two nickels to rub together, but I wouldn't have traded that for any amount of money there is, literally. Come on, you might be broke, but you're rich. Can anybody understand that? Because the problem is in our culture, material, uh, materially and exponentially, um, uh, we are rich in material and experiences. But spiritually and relationally, our culture is broke. We got more friends on Facebook, but nobody, everybody's lonely. We're spiritually and relationally broke. In our culture, comfort and and pain avoidance are are our primary values. But watch this. In the church of Smyrna, in Smyrna's church, faithfulness to God was their primary value. Now, I'm going to cut a little in right here. So just kind of hold on. If you need to ignore me because you're not ready for it, just ignore me. If you need to walk away from the computer screen, that's okay because we're going to cut a little bit right here. See, we love comfort. And Americans, by and large, I'm not calling everybody selfish, but how many know, by and large, Americans, we want it, we want it now, and we're kind of a selfish culture, right? Would anybody agree with me at all on that one? And, uh, and, and I'm part of the problem. I, I'll recognize that. But what God compliments them for is their faithfulness. Mm. It was their value. And, and, and so here we go. You can, tell, you can see I'm, I'm stalling, huh? I, I'm, I'm concerned with the level of faithfulness in the body of Christ. Now I know it's not fair because those of you that are sitting in this room and those of you that are tuned in, I know I'm singing to the choir right now. But you need to hear my heart on this. I am very concerned with the level of faithfulness. I just said before we started this service, our Saturday nights used to be packed out. And, and I know, I know COVID, and I know all that. But when are we going to come back and count faithfulness as our value? Well, I don't want to come to church because of a mask. But you go to the grocery store with a mask. Come on, everybody. What about the spiritual store? The spiritual, the faith bank. Come on, everybody. Can I please get a little support on that? Because it feels lonely up here saying those things. Come on now. Where are those that won't be afraid? Where are those that say, I love the church? Where are those that say, I love God? And I know church can look different. And I know you can say, I'm watching online. But the fact of the matter is, online, you're not watching online. Because those numbers are way down. Where are those that are faithful? I'm faithful to God. Yeah, but if you're faithful to God and you love God, you got to love His bride. you got to love the church. Well, I don't need the church, but the church needs you. 
Come on, somebody, help me, right? And, and, and um, <laughs> uh, let's see here. Um, it's interesting. I, I get so fired up when I see faithfulness. I get so fired up for those that say, man, ain't nothing ever going to stop me from going to church. I've heard that all my life. Man, I don't care if I'm the last person on this earth. I'll be in church worshiping God. And then I look around, a little pandemic did this? What? I want to know, where's all those people again? Man, I get encouraged when I see the faith. If I get encouraged, I'll just tell you, I don't only become concerned, I'm just going to be real transparent. I get a little discouraged. I, I, I'm talking to you online too. I get a little discouraged when we got a handful of people trying to pour out and give. Wondering where is the faithfulness in the body. If I get discouraged, I wonder how God feels. I wonder how Jesus feels that said, I gave my life for this thing called the church. I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm just trying to get things back into perspective a little bit. Come on. Is everybody all right with that? In the room, at least, help a brother out a little bit. We had, during COVID, mind you, we had two people. I'll share these stories. I've got to be very sensitive how I share them. I had a young family, house full of kids. I know their income level, and, and they recently sold a house, and they desperately needed the profit from that house. They came to the church. This was just a few months ago, right in the middle of COVID, right in the middle of everybody worrying about the church, and said, I heard you're opening an outreach center, and, and, and they just did a sell on their house, just a moderate house. They took the entirety of the profit of that house, young family, all the kids, like not... Just, I can't give you too much information. And they handed the church a check for $17,000 to help us reach other people. That's the kind of faith. No, it's not about the amount. Please know that. This is not about money. It's about, I know another young couple. I know the guy in the family makes around $30,000 a year. How many of you know that's not that much? And they came during the legacy offering and said, Pastor, I believe in what God's doing. I want to be found faithful. I I need him to bless us financially and gave us a check for $10,000 in the legacy offering. Here's what I'm saying. There are people that have means that are so afraid right now that they can't be faithful in their generosity and the mission of the church. My question is, what are you doing that demonstrates your faithfulness to the work of God? Come on, somebody. All right. I need my chair tonight. I hope I've earned the right after four years to talk a little bit like that. Number two, the second thing, the second weight that he says is the weight of slander. Woo-wee! Uh, here comes another warning, all right? Just buckle up. Buckle up or turn off the computer. Because slander is the... Remember that verse I paused on? He says, you call yourself the Jewish people or the Jews, but you're really the synagogue of Satan. Let me, do, let me break that down in a real fast way. He's saying, you, you say you're godly. You, if you're Jewish, you follow the Old Testament. You follow Hebrew Scripture. You say you're godly, but you're not. You're really, you're pretending to be in the house, but you're really in another house. You're in the synagogue of Satan because you're slandering the body of Christ. 
That's as silly as me taking a sledgehammer and smashing my foot when you slander the very people that come around you and pray for you and love you and help you and minister to you. And when one somebody out of the hundreds of people in the body of Christ do something you don't like and then you slander them, he says you're the synagogue of Satan. Ouch! That's not me. You can, you can read it right there. I, I did. That's tough. That's how serious he is against people that call themselves part of the body but hurt the very body that they say they're a part of. Mm. I could give you a lot of illustrations, but I better not because you might start trying to connect the dots. Oh, I think he's talking about Joe. I think he's talking about Juanita. I don't even know who that is. But anyway. Mm-hmm. My wife started a life group when we first started the church. I can tell you this one because it happened over three years ago. And that's a big deal for my wife to start a life group. It's not really her personality, but she loves people and said, I'll do it. Gathers a group of women together. Everybody shares their email and their phone numbers. And one somebody in that group decided they didn't like the way she was leading it. Called everybody else in the group after the first meeting, mind you. And got all of them to join her life group. And we never seen any of them in the church again. That's what he's talking about. The synagogue of Satan. You say you're a part of the body. But when you start hurting the body, that's a weight. And those are weights that we carry that we can't often talk about. How many know what I'm saying? Right, everybody? Slander. Here's what slander. Oh, by the way, you know how they were slandering the church of Smyrna? It's funny. They, they called them cannibals because they were having communion, breaking the body, drinking the blood. They called them cannibals. They also, the other slander against Smyrna was they were calling them, uh, they said they were full of incest because they called each other brothers and sisters. Yeah. That's slander. Here's slander. Here's what slander means. Slander, the action or crime of making a false spoken statement damaging to a person's reputation. If you're going to leave the church, it's okay. I understand I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I get it. I'm not even always my own cup of tea. I understand. But stand on your own backbone for the reason that you want to leave. Don't make it about somebody that didn't shake your hand. Hello, somebody. That's slander. It's the synagogue of Satan. Ooh, I just feel like such a bully. Make sure when you greet me at the door tonight, tell me you love me, because I'm going to feel bad about this, all right? See, I can handle you not liking me, but, but don't cause somebody else to fall away. During COVID, somebody said, Pastor, I'm going to leave the church, and you know, blah, blah, blah. And the reason was good, at least what they told me. But what they told their group of influence was something else. It's slander. And about 12 people left the church over a lie. That's slander. That hurts. That's the body of Christ. Listen, don't worry about me getting revenge. Man, I got other things to do. But God's watching you. Come on now. That's his bride. That's his wife. It's kind of hard to say amen when I'm standing on your foot, ain't it right, Tom? Matthew chapter number 18. Let me give you a very serious verse about this. Check this out. And please hear me. I'm saying this because I don't want another person to get hurt in church. 
right? Watch this. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. What? Jesus? These little ones. We often read that verse and think he's talking about little kids, but, but, but he's talking about those that are new believers. Radius, 50% of this church is new believers. So let's make sure what we say is life giving come on come on everybody don't you dare allow the cancel culture to sneak into the body of christ because if there's a cancel culture here you might as well cancel me because i don't deserve the blessings and the grace and the forgiveness and the love that i get either come on everybody right okay i gotta move on all right my wife's nervous i can tell and uh She's like, don't, don't, don't push it any further. She's like, get off the gas. She's pushing the brake up here, just like she does when she's driving with me. I mean, that's persecution. L- li- listen, we're not going. I, I know it's been a tough year, but do you know uh, Gordon Comwell, the Center of Study for Global Christianity, they estimated that every year right now in this recent history, about 100,000 Christians die every year, are martyred for their faith. That puts COVID in a whole different level, right? It's like, can we really have a... I'm not trying to minimize. It was real. It was all of that. Okay, I'm not going to get into all that. But we're still here loving God. Our doors are still open. We're still preaching out of the Bible. We're still lifting hands to the same God. Hello, somebody. Right? All right. Number three, he said the third weight that's on you is suffering. I'm going to combine these last two. Number four is he says the fourth weight that's on you, and this is not language that you're used to hearing around here, but I'm going to dive into it. Demonic imprisonment. Can you guys handle it? Let's talk about it. This is language that you don't hear around here, but the devil, it says it in the script, in the verse that I read to you, so i got to deal with it. He says, the, the, he says Satan is attempting to put some of you in prison. That's, that's what the verse said. You can go back and read it. I don't have time to keep unpacking it. So let me cover these two together. And when we read these two, it's really easy to say, man, if these are the weights going on the people of God, then naturally the question is, well, why do bad things happen to good people? First of all, none of us are good. There was one that was good, and they did bad things to him. Okay, uh, we'll deal with that theologically another time, all right? Uh, If if you're going through pain, it's really a legitimate question. So I'm going to end this message with four reasons that we suffer. Okay? just to kind of tie these two together. Because Smyrna, they're loving God. There's no complaint, but they're going through all kind of stuff. Have you ever felt like, I'm doing all the right things? Why am I going through all these things? So I'm going to give you some things. They're a little bit theological, but, I, but I'm trying to make them in a way, because you don't care about the theology behind it if it doesn't touch your heart, if it doesn't speak to your heart. So I'm going to try to make them real practical. And, and so here they are. Here's the reasons we suffer. Number one is we live in a fallen world, right? God created a perfect world. He put the one tree there. He said, if you eat of that tree, you'll know the knowledge of good and evil. We didn't know evil until we opened the door to evil, okay? And so the minute sin entered into the world, the world went into chaos. Everything went into chaos. Roses got thorns. (laughs) That's chaos. Beautiful gardens got mosquitoes. How many know that's chaos, right, everybody? Watermelon got seeds. Now we know that's chaos. But it was more severe than that. Weather systems started going chaotic. Our body systems started going chaotic. 
cells started deforming and becoming cancerous and COVID, things like COVID have come out and, and, and hunger. But God promises and He has proven that spiritually that He redeems, He restores, He's restored our spirits for those who believe in Him. He will restore this chaotic world. He will restore this chaotic body. Come on, aren't you glad? So the reason that bad things happen is that, that, that there is a devil who is the prince of this world and sin entered into this world. But one day there will be a new heaven, come on, and a new earth. And the chaos will be corrected because he's still redeeming. Come on, somebody ought to give the Lord a good hand clap. Number two, the second reason that we suffer is people sin against us. Here we go again. People sin against us. Have you ever had anybody sin against you? Of course you have. If you've been alive more than a month, people have sinned against you. People will abuse you. People will lie about you. I don't know why we think it shouldn't happen. It happened to Jesus. I don't like it at all. I hate when people lie about me. It's, it's one of the main reasons I don't want to be a pastor. I love all the other stuff about it. I love seeing people's lives change and how people break addictions. And I love seeing generational curses. But I hate when people lie about me. No, you know, I don't really, it's not so much I hate when people lie about me. What I hate is when other people believe the lie. I really hate when they believe the lie without coming to me and saying, Hey, you know what? They just jump on the bandwagon. Is anybody like me or am I the only insecure guy in the room? Um, and I know you can forgive the people that hurt you, but it still leaves a scar. Anybody here ever broke a bone? Yeah, you ever talk to some of these old timers that had a broken bone somewhere or, you know, got shot in a war somewhere and, and, and the weather pattern changes? Huh? Yeah. You been shot, AJ? Okay, I just, I just making sure I was going to talk to Lisa. I know it's, yeah, broke up rock. And some of them old times, well, it's sunny as can be. It's going to rain. I'm like, what? Yeah, senility is hitting you, dude. I mean, what? Yeah, it's going to rain. Well, that, that bone there, I broke it in 1972. And that thing is, who is acting up? Because in the right atmosphere, come on, in the right atmosphere, the things that we've forgiven still come back to haunt us. And I'm trying really hard to love this person, but they remind me of these ten people over in the light about you category, and I'm trying to keep my heart soft. Hello, somebody. Woo-wee. If you work with people for any length of time, I'm just telling you, somewhere along the way, they will sin against you. Hold on. If you come to church... And worship God together. While you're trying to do this, you're going to have to bump into some people like this. And somebody's going to do something that you don't like that hurts an old injury. That's why we've got to be a house of grace and life-giving. Come on, I'm, I'm trying to pastor us right now. Because I've seen some stuff go on in this last year that just make me want to spit in the devil's eye. You know what I'm talking about, right? And that's putting it nice. Number three. 
The third way that we suffer is because, uh uh-oh, it was fun blaming everybody else, thinking Adam and Eve and all them people that lied about me, but number three was a coming. Number three is because of your own sin. And, And I know none of you in this room have your own sin, so we're talking about everybody out there online. You're sinning while you're watching me. I can feel it through the camera, all right? Because every action has a reaction. Yes, God's grace is good. Yes, you can still be forgiven and go to heaven. But oftentimes there's still a reaction to the thing that we did. There's a consequence to it. And we're blaming the devil. The devil's over in the corner crying. Everybody keeps blaming me and I didn't even do that. You know? No, he didn't do it. We're blaming things on him. The, The devil didn't make you do it. Here's what happened. You went to the store. You bought the lumber. You brought the lumber home. You hauled it. You unloaded it. You built a high dive. You climbed the high dive. All the while, your friends were telling you don't do it. All the while, your pastor was preaching against it. All the while, the people in your life group were telling you, "Uh uh-uh, that's not a good idea. All the while, the Holy Spirit was convicting you, please don't put another board together. And you walked out on that high dive, and you did a cannonball right into the sin that everybody, including God, said, be careful of and now you turn around and blame it on the devil every time you blame it on the devil you refuse to take responsibility for your own actions come on now sometimes the enemy is in a me james says we're all pulled away by our own evil desires let's go to number four number four is uh is the devil Here's why we suffer. We live in a fallen world. People sin against us because of our own sin. And finally, we got to talk about it because the Scripture talks about it. And I'm not one of those kind of preachers that calls the devil on every corner. Okay? But I grew up in the kind of church where the devil was everywhere. I was scared the devil was everywhere. I mean, if I listened to rock and roll music, I could get possessed by him. You know, and if I went to the dance, I'd get possessed by him. And we weren't allowed to play cards because the devil was in the cards. And I didn't get it. No, well, you know, the queen and the jack and the king, the devil's in there. But then, and he's in the numbers and he's in the game. Then we got Uno cards and I was afraid. Oh, my Uno, ah! You know, I mean, I don't know what to do, right? And the devil was everywhere. The devil was in the rock and roll albums. That stunk because I like rock and roll. I, I love Jesus, but I still like rock and roll, right? And he was everywhere. I remember our church had a big fight. I was 13 years old. And we decided we were going to put drums on the stage. And people, we used to have to have the drums down here. What in the world? This is more, that spot's more holy than that spot? Wow. I thought I read he doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. Okay, some of you don't get that. I've never heard of nothing like that. (laughs) We don't like to talk about the devil, but he is real. And he's out, listen to, here's a sober warning. He's out to rob, kill, and destroy you. And some of you are making it hard for him. Some of you are making it really easy for him. Because you've lost your faithfulness. You know the part we wrestle not against flesh and blood? Some of us could just stop right there. We wrestle not. We just quit wrestling. We just quit fighting. We just quit being faithful. Now let me give you a couple things and we'll wrap this up. 
The book of Jude in the New Testament has one chapter, so it's just the book of Jude. If you read the book of Jude, it's interesting because the conclusion is the book of Jude tells us that the devils are free to roam in dark places. So any secret, any dark secret sin that you keep private and in dark, you're giving the devil access to your life. But the Bible says don't give the devil a foothold. Any unconfessed sin, any secret, continual sin that you haven't found somebody to pray with you about it, it's in the dark. Come on, can you guys handle this? Listen, you could come to my house. It, wouldn't it be silly if I let you come, the, uh, uh, the devil come to my house, but he can't come in the living room. That's where we got all the lights on, and that's where we got the family Bible out. But we got this bedroom back in the back that nobody ever uses, and we let the devil stay in there. How many know that is about as silly as it comes, right? Because eventually, when we're not expecting it, he's coming out of the bedroom. And we got dark places in our life, and we wonder, are we, we can't be possessed as Christians, but we can be oppressed. He can have influence in our life. He can have voice in our life. And we can be pressed down from the victory he, God wants to give us in our life. That's why faithfulness is so important, everybody. Come on, I want you to hear me. I care about you. I care about you. I don't need more services to preach. That's not why I want you here. I want you here because I have a shepherd's heart and I want you to be in the house of God. Not because I'm afraid you might not make it to heaven. I want you to enjoy abundant life while you're waiting for the bus to get to heaven. I want your marriage to be better. I want your life to be better. I want your peace to be better. I want your joy. Come on somebody, right? Ah, and, 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 here's another thing. Let me just throw this at you real quick. The devil also roams in dry places. So if your spirit is dead, if your spirit is dry, come on, so dry I don't want to read the Bible. So dry I don't want to pray. So dry I don't want to worship. That means your spirit is dry. Remember what happened to Jesus when he went out into the desert? Devils roam in dry places. You've got to keep your spirit quenched. You've got to get in the presence of other believers and worship together. Come on now. The trick of COVID is to get you out of the habit of church. I'm not preaching this because I need you here. I don't need you here. You need you here. Come on. Mm, mm, mm. Keep your spirits quenched. And to keep your spirit quenched, that takes faithfulness. Right? Um, hmm. Be that last verse right there, read it later. Because that last verse, you remember what it says? Because the devil is trying to put you in spiritual prison or bondage or addictions. And that's what happens. Oh, uh, well, you know, I'll come back to church when your spirit gets dry. And it first starts off, I'm cranky, I'm complaining, I don't like the things I used to like. Remember Ephesus? And before you know it, he's put you in spiritual prison. I close with this story. Polycarp uh, was the bishop of the church of Smyrna during the same time that John is writing these letters. And and he wouldn't bow to Caesar either, which is why his church wouldn't. I believe everything rises and falls on leadership. And as goes the leader, so goes the church. And, and so they, the Roman soldiers said, well, we're going to burn you at the stake if you don't bow to Caesar. And this is a quote. Historians rec uh, record this quote from Polycarp. Here's what he says. Watch this. 
They say, we're going to burn you at the stake. And here's what Polycarp says. Eighty and six years have I served him, and he has done me no wrong. How could I blaspheme my king and my savior? The story goes that, and he said this, he said, you don't have to tie me to the stake. My love for Jesus will keep me standing when you light the flames. It's almost humorous. Historian, this isn't even scripture. Historians record this. He stands at the stake. The soldiers go to light the fire. Three times they tried to light the fire. The wind kept blowing the fire the other way. Finally, a soldier went up and stabbed him. He fell in the fire. His body was consumed. Mm, 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 mm. But the very next words he heard was, Well done, my good and There it is. Faithful. You will see in these seven churches that one of the things Jesus loves is faithfulness. Man, I'm, I want you back. I want you to be faithful. It takes work to be faithful, am I right? It takes discipline to be faithful. Matter of fact, I'd like to do this. I'm just going to end right there. Would you stand with me all over this place?